The scripture reading tonight comes from Luke chapter 14 and verse 28. For which of you, desiring to build a tower, does not first sit down and count the cost, whether he has enough to complete it? You may be seated. You know, there are people today that actually say that Christianity is not for our age. It's not for our time. I've even heard recently some who claim to be Christians who have said that perhaps they really wouldn't want to be a Christian if they knew there were not a heaven. They consider the time and the effort expended in being a Christian to be something that simply doesn't pay. It's simply not worth it. And it's really not all that uncommon to hear the phrase, or at least for this to be felt, that you just can't get ahead in this life and be a Christian. You just can't get ahead in this world and be a faithful child of God. Now, because of this attitude and because it's expressed and many times felt, I want us to ask the question tonight, Does it pay in this life to be a Christian? I'm going to insist to you tonight that the answer to that question is an emphatic yes. Now in our lesson tonight, we're not concerned with the reward that is after this life. We most assuredly do not dismiss it, but we're going to confine our investigation tonight to the here and the now. After all, there are those that would have us to believe that this life is all there is anyway. And so our question is, if this earthly life is all there is to our existence, would it still be worthwhile to be a Christian? Now, I don't want anybody to misunderstand me in any way, the greatest benefit, the greatest reward of Christianity is in the next life and not this one. In fact, the apostle Paul said in 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 6, he said, I'm now ready to be offered. The time of my departure is at hand. I have fought the good fight. I've finished the course. I've kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me a crown of life, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me in that day, but not to me only, but to all those that love his appearing. In Romans, the eighth chapter, Paul said, I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared to the joy that shall be revealed in us. Folks, heaven is going to be beyond our wildest imagination. Human language is simply incapable of describing how grand and wonderful heaven is going to be. As we sing that song sometimes, heaven will surely be worth it all. But tonight, we're going to talk about Christianity paying in this life? Does it pay right now in this life to be a Christian? 
Now, there are costs involved in being a Christian, and I think we need to understand that. I'm afraid many times the impression is given to folks that, you know, really it's not much different in being a Christian than being out in the world. Religion has become somewhat convenient. Go to church on Sunday and just act like the world does the rest of the week. And sometimes people don't consider the cost involved in being a Christian. In our scripture reading tonight in Luke 14 verse 28, Jesus asked the question, for which of you intending to build a tower Sit not down first and count the cost, whether he has sufficient to finish it. You know, if you're going to build a house, if you're going to build a structure of some kind, you make sure that you have all the money, the funds available so that that structure can be completed. Because you can look rather foolish to have an unfinished structure that you started sitting out there for the world to see. You need to count the cost. And I want to tell you tonight that there is a cost to being a Christian. Some have started on life's journey with Jesus Christ and they have decided that it was much more than they bargained for and they have forsaken the Lord thinking that it did not pay. And so let's just briefly look at some of the costs involved. You know, one of the costs tonight is self-control, the need for self-control, which is one of those characteristics that's listed in 2 Peter chapter 1, 5, and 6. Self-control or temperance was a characteristic of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And the value of this trait is immeasurable in the affairs of life. You might consider for a moment the danger of an airplane out of control. We saw what happened on 9-11, 2001. Those planes were out of our control and in the control of somebody else. Or you consider the danger of an automobile that is out of control. But far worse situations exist when men lose control of themselves. And sometimes the whole world can be adversely affected. You think about the madness of Adolf Hitler, or you consider Joseph Stalin, or Saddam Hussein, or you think about what's going on in Syria right now with the Assad regime, and they are using chemical weapons on their own people. There are many other barbaric leaders in our world today that do not exercise self-control and the masses suffer as a result. But a Christian likewise has to exercise self-control. And believe me, it's a lot easier said than done. A Christian must control his lusts, his appetites, his passions, his desires for wealth and power. He must control those things even necessary to the sustenance of life. And how much harm is done to people that we love? How much harm is done to our own families, our children, when we allow our passions 
and our own lusts and our physical desires to determine what decisions that we make rather than exercise self-control. How much harm is done because of the loss of control over mind, body, and temper? You know, one who exercises self-control doesn't bear malice toward others, seeks no revenge, tries to be a blessing to others. Now, it's obvious that life can be miserable for a person and those round about him when this quality of self-control is lacking. As the Bible says in Proverbs 16 and verse 32, he that is slow to anger is better than the mighty. He that ruleth his spirit than he that takes a city. But I think closely akin to self-control is the attitude of self Denial. Jesus talked about that in Matthew chapter 16 and verse 24. He said, if any man desire to come after me, if you want to follow me, Jesus said, let him deny himself. Now that which is to be denied is not pleasure. It's not money. It's not material things. The thing that is to be denied here, the Lord said, is self. That is, no longer is one most concerned <clears throat> with self and his own will, but he's concerned with the will of the Lord. He makes himself secondary for the benefit of others. In fact, his own ambitions and goals are often sacrificed for what's good and best for the spiritual welfare of others. And so an individual in Christ must love Jesus more than anyone or anything else, including self. You think about the challenging words of our Lord in Matthew 10 and verse 37. He said, he that loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. He that loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. You see, loyalty, allegiance has to be first to Jesus Christ before all others, again, including self. That's why we always need to be willing to examine ourselves and ask ourselves, where do my primary loyalties lie? Do I have the attitude in every decision that I make that I want to please God? Or do I want to please myself? You see, we can avoid a lot of mistakes in life. We can be happy in life if in every situation that we encounter, we just simply ask ourselves this question, what would please the Lord? You know, Jesus made the statement one time, I do always those things that please him. But you know, closely akin to self-control and self-denial is the attitude of obedience. Obedience is a cost that is to be paid to be a Christian. Now the word obedience is not a very popular word in our culture, is it? 
People kind of shrug when we talk about submission to authority, when we talk about obedience in any way. People want to do their own thing. They want to do things their own way and rule their own lives. And yet Jesus said in John 14, verse 15, if you love me, it's not something you just feel in your heart. If you love me, keep my commandments. You know, the well done to be heard from the Lord is going to be heard by those who are good and faithful servants. Matthew 25 and verse 31. Faithfulness demands obedience. And I think possibly one of the mistaken concepts that many have about being a Christian is that they somehow can have a hit and miss kind of service that will suffice just as well as faithful service. You see, when we obey a command of God, just because we think it's good and just because we think it's reasonable and just because it's convenient for us, then we've really not given the Lord the submissive obedience that he expects. You see, we do what God requires and what God wants because that's what God wants, not just because it happens to align with what we like or what we see is beneficial. That's the cost of being a faithful child of God. And so do I serve the Lord out of convenience or do I serve my God out of true conviction? You know, we might sum up these costs involved in being a Christian by simply referring to Romans 12, 1 and 2, where Paul talked about how we are to present our bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God. You know, a living sacrifice is what Paul said was the role of service. And is that not what Paul did? In Galatians 2 and verse 20, Paul said, I'm crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live but it's Christ living in me. And the life which I'm now living in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. You see, while Paul lived, he served God, even if it meant death. He was willing to die to be faithful. He was willing to live to serve more if that's what God wanted. Now, I don't want us to overlook tonight the fact that when you choose to serve God, when you choose to be a Christian, that means that all of Satan and his forces will be set against you. But if you refuse to serve Jesus Christ, that also means that you set yourself up against the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And we not, need not be surprised when the Bible says the world hates us. 1 John 3 and verse 13. Jesus said, you know, the world hated me before it hated you. John 15 and verse 18. Now, we've just briefly touched tonight, just briefly touched on the cost of being a Christian. But certainly we haven't exhausted the costs that are involved. But I think that adequately lays the groundwork tonight for asking this question. Does it pay 
in this life to be a Christian? Are there benefits other than the primary one of heaven? And I want to briefly, the next few minutes, suggest to you that it does pay in life to be a Christian. First of all, I want you to consider, if you will, the benefit of fellowship. You know, there's fellowship to enjoy with our brothers and sisters in Christ. We are fellow laborers today in the Lord's vineyard. You think about the help and the comfort, the encouragement, the concern that we extend to each other. That's certainly one of the most wonderful blessings of life. We are privileged to travel down the road of life with people that care for us and we for them. And our brethren, because they have respect for the teachings of Jesus Christ, are the finest people on this earth. Christian friends understand, don't they? Christian friends sympathize with us. They are there to assist us. They stand with us in the truth. You know, oftentimes I I think about where I would be without the church. If I did not have my brethren, you know, what kind of situation would I be in? I would be lost. I'm really amazed almost on a daily basis as I see people and observe people and various situations, maybe in a hospital or in some other kind of distress, they have absolutely nobody to support them or to encourage them. They literally are on their own. And that's sad. That's not true of us in the Lord's church, is it? We're God's family. We are a part of the redeemed and we are there for each other. We support each other. We help each other. And what sentiments are expressed in that beautiful song, blessed be the tie that binds our hearts in Christian love. Somebody has written, if but two things I could keep and could retain no other, I would want the fellowship of my Lord and then my Christian brother. Folks, the benefit of fellowship The fact that we are family, the fact that we have each other to depend on in good times and in bad times, the fact that we rejoice with those that rejoice and weep with those that weep, the fact that we're there for one another, that we encourage one another, is certainly worth it in this life to be a Christian. Or what about the benefit of protection? You know, as Christians, we know that we're safe from any real harm. Certainly, we're going to have trials and persecutions, dangers, disappointments, and even betrayals. Temptation shall stalk our steps, and we're going to remain subject to physical harm and hardships such as is common among men today. But we have a promise as Christians that others outside of Christ do not yet have, nor will they have until they're in Christ. 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 13 says, there's no temptation taking you, but such as is common to man. 
But God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted above that which you are able, but will with the temptation make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. Now that's a lot easier, I believe, to say than it is to live, but to get the real meaning of this blessed promise, what Paul is actually telling us here is that we as Christians can say there is absolutely nothing this day that can possibly happen to me that God and I cannot handle together. Now, folks, that is worthwhile. Peter asked the question in 1 Peter 3 and verse 13, if God be for us, who shall be against us? You know, Peter doesn't promise escape from every pain and threat and grief and woe. But no real harm can overcome us if we remain followers of the Lord. And if only we could grow and develop sufficient faith in these assurances, even in those matters where many times we lack understanding, we can be assured that God knows and God cares and God overrules. Paul said, if God be for us, who can be against us. Now, is that not something of great benefit in this life? The Hebrew writer said in Hebrews 13 verse 6, the Lord is my helper. I shall not fear what any man shall do unto me. What would you give up or exchange for that kind of blessing in life? And then I want you to consider tonight the benefit of providence. We even have the promise of things that God sees that we need in this life. You know, in that matchless Sermon on the Mount that Jesus gave, in particular, Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 through 34, we have that conditional promise that if we seek first things first, that is the kingdom of God and his righteousness, that is we seek his church and his commandments first, we're going to have God's provision. Now, we believe tonight in the providence of God. We do not contend in any way that we understand God's providence, but he has assured us of it. We're never promised all that we want or all that we think that we need, but in the infinite wisdom of God, he shall see to it that we have the provisions that we need in this life. Again, is this not something that makes being a Christian worthwhile in the here and the now? I love what David said in Psalms chapter 37 and verse 25. David said, I've been young and now I'm old and I've not seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging bread. Then I want you to consider tonight the benefit of service. You know, serving Jesus Christ provides an outlet for one of man's greatest earthly needs, and that is rendering service to someone or something other than himself. We have the joy today of service to Christ. 
And we receive tremendous blessings by being a blessing. Doing a good deed makes the heart glad. Jesus, in his words, in Acts chapter 20 and verse 35, Jesus said there, remember the words that I spoke to you. It's more blessed to give than to receive. Christ knew what he was talking about. He lived a life of service. He came to minister. He came to serve others, not to be served. And the greatest before God today are those who serve. And we receive such joy, consolation, and benefit in this life by simply doing the labor of a child of God. And such does for the human spirit that for which the world longs today, and that is contentment and peace and accomplishment, an absence of fear, a real purpose in life. That's what the world wants, and Christian service allows us to have that benefit. And then very quickly as I close, may I suggest that we also have the benefit of contentment. Now, we never want to leave the impression that we are to become so satisfied that we cease to grow and that we cease to move forward spiritually in this life. But we are certainly urged to be content with what we have. First Timothy chapter six and verse eight. You know, Paul wrote in the peace of God that passeth all understanding shall guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Philippians four and verse seven. These are benefits in this life enjoyed as a Christian. Now, Christianity is not designed to bring us material wealth. It's not designed to bring us power or social standing in a sin-wrecked world. It's not designed to bring us popularity. And I think it's certainly disingenuous. In fact, I would go so far to say that it's a sin to hold out to other people as some preachers do today that serving God is going to lead to great material possessions and wealth. We call it a health and wealth gospel. You can watch these religious shows on television and that's exactly what's presented. You give your life to the Lord and you'll have great wealth. You'll have great prosperity. You're whole life is going to change. It can turn completely around if you'll just send some money in and give your life to the Lord. Such things as material gain are not promised in the Bible in abundance and supply. In fact, the loss of such things is a real possibility if you serve Christ. Many faithful servants of our Lord have had to abandon all of that in order to be faithful to God. But following Christ pays richly in that which really matters and that cannot be removed or taken away when this world ceases to exist. And so tonight we've looked at the question, does it pay in this life to be a Christian? I believe the answer is obvious. It is a most definite yes. And we've only noted tonight just a few brief ideas that prove this to be true. And we might add to what we've said tonight, all of this and heaven 
too. But folks, there is coming an hour in which we will walk on this earth no more. We shall face without dread, but with great hope, that very definite and personal event. One day, we're going to cross over the valley of the shadow of death. But we are assured that we have the Lord to go with us as we cross over that valley. Jesus said, I come that they might have life and have it more abundantly. John 10 and verse 10. That has primary application to eternal life in heaven. But I think it also has application for the obedient child of God here in this life. These are things that we cannot dismiss. It goes to the very heart of our existence both now and forever. And so tonight, as you think about the fact that I am a Christian, I hope you'll realize that you're richly blessed. What a wonderful privilege, what an honor it is to be a child of God. And tonight, if you're not a Christian, I hope you'll realize what you're missing. I hope you'll understand what you're lacking in this life. The many blessings that you are depriving yourself of, these can be yours if you will but obey the gospel of Jesus Christ. If you believe that Jesus is the Son of God and you're willing to act on that faith as you repent of your sins and make that confession that Jesus is the Son of God, you can be baptized even tonight into Jesus Christ for the remission of all your past sins. You'll be then added to the Lord's family, the church. You can leave here tonight knowing the joy of salvation. Tonight, the invitation is yours. If you're subject to it, we ask that you come now while we stand and sing.